Like it's just crazy when I speak to, you know, someone that's like 18 and they're like, yeah, like I see you guys on Instagram and I like your photos and I like your news. And I'm like, did you ever actually click on the article and like actually read it? And most of them not like don't. They just see the headline and the and the image. And for them, like that's enough information, you know, with the caption. And then it's like if they want to research more on that story, then they'll just go on Google or whatever. Right. So it's really like, okay, how can we monetize the future of local news with, you know, with a younger audience that doesn't behave like we've sort of understood in the past. Welcome back to the Well Now What podcast. I'm your host, Savannah. That clip you just heard was Chuck Lapointe. As the CEO of Narcity Media, Chuck has shaped the brand and company into the go-to source for lifestyle, local restaurants, and activity recommendations for over 8 million Canadians and 3 million Americans every month. He has a mission to connect everyone to their city through experience and content. In today's episode, we chat about how Narcity Media doubled its growth in North America this past year, how he scaled his business by investing into people, his opinion on creating content that people want versus content that pays the bills, the rise of the social media influencers and how that affects his business, and finally, the shift of interest of the Generation Z. So I hope you enjoy this week's episode. I'm here with the incredible Chuck Lapointe. Chuck is the CEO of MTL Blog and Narcity Media. And if you're a Canadian and a millennial or even a Gen Z, you've certainly heard of or seen Narcity News on your social channels. Narcity Media is one of the fastest growing digital media publishers for millennials in North America, covering everything from up to the minute breaking news stories to original travel bucket lists. Their extensive network of content creators spans from coast to coast. And I absolutely love their platform. And you can really see that the company is just growing like wildfire. And the brands and news and travel websites attract uh, 23 million readers each month and its social channels reach 5 million people daily. So that's incredible. And so Chuck, before starting um, MTL Blog, what were you doing before? Were you in the advertising space? Thanks for the amazing intro. Um, So yeah, so I was in the advertising space uh, before. So uh, I was a production manager at uh, Resac, which is a small social agency in Montreal. So I was there for for four years. that's where I feel like I learned a lot that has to do with, uh, you know, premium campaigns for brands and how, how you, you can work with them on exploring different types of partnerships that are, that are more than just a normal ad. Uh, so I feel like that's where I really got sort of the ignition to create more valuable partnerships with our clients with MTL Blog. And that's, you know, that whole sort of branded content side that we do with brands. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so I worked there for four years. Uh, and then I started MTL blog uh, part-time. Uh, obviously, I wasn't uh, ready to make the full move uh, to full-time until I understood that there was, you know, at least some uh, potential. So I uh, started uh, MTL blog part-time for about a year and a year and a half. And uh, then I went uh, full-time uh, beginning of 2013. Uh, I had taken about a month uh, after I quit my job, just to sort of reflect and refresh my mind. And then I just went all out. Uh, so yeah, we're a bootstrapped uh, company. Um, it was very, very stressful for the first two to three years. Uh, I will not lie. And, uh, yeah, we've been, we've been a profitable company for about three years now. 
Um, and uh, yeah, tons of ups and downs. <laughs> yeah. So you mainly started it for nightlife and photography. So when did you really notice the blog just take off? Yeah. So, uh, so my partner was, was a photographer. Uh, I think he still is. Um, and yeah, so, you know, for us, it was like more about trying to understand and create just like a, you know, a Facebook page for a community of people that were interested in, in things to do in their city. Right. So for us, I mean, nightlife was sort of the first sort of go-to, uh, there was tons of websites, you know, as well around that time where it was like, no, there was like apps that you could join to join like a wait list for a club or whatever. Um, so we, you know, and like, as well, like I was young, I was 20, 24 at that time. So, uh, I was a bit in that scene. So for me, it was almost like a, like a, you know, like a social thing where like, I wanted to sort of go to parties and go to like events and go to, go to things that was interesting to me and my partner. So we sort of started off that way. Um, but then obviously when I really started to consider it as a business, then that's when I was like, okay, like this nightlife thing will not necessarily bring revenue, um, you know, at the scale that I would like. So essentially that's when we started to pivot and really understand, you know what, like we have, we have the potential to create uh, English content in Montreal for young people. Uh, so, you know, we really understood that like the, the sort of old school players that were in the city right now don't really, like weren't necessarily able to relate at the level that we wanted to. Um, most of me and my friends, we would just sort of go on websites like Buzzfeed or like other sites and, you know, to like entertain ourselves and to really to, to it's like we weren't consulting news the, the normal way, I guess, right? Um, so for us, it's like, how can we recreate, how can we adapt sort of what we like from what, you know, we're seeing and being inspired to in the States with like BuzzFeed or whatever, and how can we create these sort of local, local lists um, that would, you know, that would just get you to, 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 to be excited about your city again, right? Because mm-hmm. um, I mean, for us, it's like just sort of, uh, back uh, tracking a few years as well. Like, uh, so I moved to Montreal when I was 18. Um, so I come from like a small town of maybe 2,000 uh, people uh, in the south of uh, Quebec. So when I moved here, uh, for me, moving in a big city was like, wow, like there's so many things to do. You can go outside of your house and, you know, you can go and meet friends and in like two minutes. Like you don't have to drive. You can just go and grab a slice of pizza. You can grab like a, you know, a coffee on the way to work. Like these are all things that for me was like, like mind blown. Um, and I think that a lot of people didn't necessarily appreciate that of their city. Like, like if you're, you know, like if you're born here and you've stayed here for like a long time, you get to sort of really just, I don't know, like not appreciate as much the city I feel. So for us, Montreal, like was such an amazing place and such an, like an amazing city that we felt almost uh, that our mission should be to promote this city. Um, so that's, yeah, that's sort of where like it all uh, started. Yeah. No, yeah, I love that. And at the early stages of Narcity, did you have any worries that maybe readers wouldn't catch on or that the business would fail? Like what were your expectations there? Yeah, so uh, Nar- Narcity, we launched in Toronto uh, in 2014. So we essentially replicated our model with MTL Blog, but uh, we launched in Toronto because for us it was really important that you know we sort of attack the biggest market, like the biggest sort of market first, and 
to really see it as like, okay, like if, you know, if we can build something that people in Toronto find important, um, then we can sort of scale that brand to other markets as well. So uh, Narcity was really, was really that sort of first entry into being like, okay, we're going to be potentially a global brand and we're going to be in Canada and we're going to be, you know, we have a much sort of larger scope now. Um, so yeah, it was very, very scary, but I think at the same time, I mean, we're pretty confident about the impact and the, the difference that we were bringing to the market. Uh, so when we launched in, 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 in TO, it was more about, um, how can we, how can we do things differently than, for example, a blog TO that was there for, you know, seven years, uh, before we launched. Um, so yeah, we really just built the model of this really like adapted quickly. Uh, the site sort of really took off organically in the first uh, month or two. So uh, we were really lucky. I think that we just really sort of hit that like perfect timing when it came to, uh, you know, Facebook, mm -hmm. uh, you know, being very entrenched in, like in our lives and really just like everything would just go viral if you were able to just create catchy content um, for people. Yeah, timing is is everything, especially when launching like a, a new venture. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. And so the content that you create um, is you guys create is very engaging. And like the main purpose is to get people to not only read it, but to comment, to share it. So how do you balance putting out content that people want versus content that I guess, lack of a better word, like pays the bills? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'd say, you know, I, I feel like that's something that we've sort of evolved over the years. But like, you know, for us, I mean, it was all about the, uh, the user um, and not about the client. It was about like our readers um, and it was about like, if we can build a large enough brand, if we can build a large enough audience, then we won't need to necessarily sort of go out there and sell our souls, right? right. Uh, because clients will come to us and because we have that audience and we have that capacity to create meaningful content. Um, so that's, that's sort of our approach. So we were never really in a position where we felt like we needed to, to sort of balance out branded versus organic. Uh, but, you know, I feel, I feel because we were doing organic so well um, that brands were really sort of like they wanted to work with us because we felt, you know, for, for them it was like important to be able to create a story that was authentic mm -hmm. and that was, you know, shareable and, and, and extremely sort of um, like, I guess, engaging uh, for a young audience. So yeah, we've, we've never really had that problem to sort of balance it out, but for sure, I mean, it's understanding who your best clients are is definitely a journey as well that takes time. Uh, we had to reject a lot of, you know, like a lot of clients uh, in the past that just wouldn't understand uh, the, type of, the type of relationship that we mm -hmm. wanted to have with them. So. For example, like, you know, one client would come to us and be like, well, this is the article, it's, it, you know, like it's already written. Uh, you just need to push this on your site and boom, it's done. And then it's just like, well, no, like that's not how it works. Like we're here to be a partner with you and we're here to create a story with you. And you have to rely on us, you know, uh, and like tr trust us to, to be able to create that story with you. And, and a lot of the brands weren't necessarily open to that. But the brands that were, I mean, are still work, working uh, with us uh, five or six, six years after, which is really incredible. So I feel like, like definitely understanding who your sort of core clients are and understanding who you want to work with from the get-go is really important and stick to your values. 
Yeah. And, and who's writing this content? Do you guys have like a lot of freelancers and how do you maintain, I guess, that like brand standard if you have multiple people writing all these articles? Yeah. So we just uh, hired our uh, editor in chief, uh, Emily Epstein. She's been with us for probably over a year and a half now on a contract, uh, but she joined, joined us officially uh, full time uh, at the beginning of uh, the year. So uh, she really elevated everything that has to do with sort of brand uh, guidelines uh, and standards and like ethics, the journalism sort of uh, uh, ethics and, and, you know, on boards. Uh, she's, you know, she was really the sort of catalyst to really get us to, to a point where we can start to compete much more on like a credible side with bigger outlets. Um, like I'm a marketing and business guy and my partner is a photographer. So, uh, you know, for us, it was like, we understood social, we, we understood branding and we understood the, you know, marketing as a whole, but like we weren't journalists and we weren't necessarily reporters that really put a lot of time into, you know, like finding both sides of a story or like really just going deep on like into things that, you know, that cost a lot of money and cost a lot of time. So for us, it was like, you know, for, we, we've been start, starting to make this move probably for around three to four years now. And with Emily's help, we're re- really at a point now where we feel confident, like, you know, we're producing really amazing stuff. Um, and our reporters, uh, which we have, if, if we count the editors, uh, the editors and then the sort of like editorial staff as a whole, they're probably like 30 on staff mm-hmm. at the moment. And then we work with uh, reporters on a freelance uh, basis. So across uh, all our markets. So we hire them in our specific sort of local markets as well. So we make sure that everyone who reports for us actually lives in the area, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and being an online business, you know, if, lets us uh, do that, which is really interesting. Yeah, right. And uh, in your position, obviously, you're, you're a leader. And have you, have you struggled with any leadership um things in the past and if you ever have dealt with challenges how did you deal with that i mean always and i don't think that that's over <laughs> um i think yeah i think it's really you know i'd say i mean this is my first uh company as well so i've never really started anything before that uh so for me i mean I, like i was a manager i i understood how to hire people uh, and how to manage them but i never really understood the sort of impact that you had as a leader and as a boss for your people. So I feel, yeah, it's definitely a constant challenge. Um, I definitely get better over time, right? I think it takes a lot of experience and just a lot of, you know, a lot of reading and a lot of really just speaking with others in the industry and just trying to find out, you know, sort of what's the best uh, things to do. Um, So, yeah, I mean, for us is, well, so for me, I mean, I think, I think really reading as many books as you can, like if you're just like there, like you're going to see there's like, this is all books on like HR and and people and business. And it's not just about like me. It's, I feel, I mean, I launched the business as well, not just because I wanted to create like a online site. It's I launched a business because I wanted to create a business that I wanted to work at as an employee. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like, I feel for me, that was extremely important. So like, I don't even read around, like, how can I grow my business faster? Like, I read on how, how can I sort of scale my business by investing into people right. and by investing into them? So I think that that's so important. And just even now with COVID, it's even more important. Um, so really, yeah, I feel like this is a 
transition that now I can afford to do that because I can afford, like I have the right sort of people in place to be able to support the day-to-day like operations. Um, and then I can really take more time to invest on like the strategy of the business, but as well um, trying to like identify how can I recruit more and more people uh, and people that really fit with the culture and really understand our mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I mean, we are a people business uh, and more and more, I mean, like, you know, we're speaking through like a computer right now. It's, it's, you know, it's not a tangible thing. It's like, so it's all about the people that you bring on board that, that, you know, that creates things in a virtual capacity. Um, So, you know, it's, yeah, I think that that's so important. I just want to take the time to thank this week's sponsor, 437 Swimwear. So at 20 years old, best friends Hyla and Adrian started 437 from the university house by investing $1,000 each. Three years later, the company has grown into a multi-million dollar apparel and swimwear brand. Founded on Celebrating Women, the all-female company is entirely self-funded and has been profitable since launch. In its short lifespan, 437 has amassed over 230k social followers and expanded beyond its best-selling, universally flattering bathing suits to create apparel that fits just the same. I absolutely love their bathing suits. I find them really flattering, so I highly recommend checking them out. Yeah, and I just read this year that Narcity Media doubled its growth when, as you expanded in North America, which that's really incredible. So congratulations to you. Um, you. Do you think it's due to maybe the rise of social media and like the whole influencer industry? So why do you think that it's been so successful? Yeah, I think, you know, I think for us, it's we're clearly sort of filling a gap, right? And like in the market uh we understand that local news is becoming less and less less and less a viable business model for most sort of uh, uh media companies out there and we're seeing a lot of them sort of uh, die off which is extremely like extremely sad uh and for us it's like we're starting to see the need to uh for people to connect to their city and uh, in different ways. Um, that's not just through sort of reading like a national or like a New York times or like, you know, like an outlet that's, 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 that's based to speak to everyone. Right. Like, I feel like people need to read and engage with content that relates to them on a local and micro local level. Um, so we definitely saw, again, I think the chance for us to sort of prove that we can be a business in that sense and that we can really uh market to those people and launch our brand into these markets that 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 frankly you know don't necessarily have a really sort of viable local news and travel like alternative uh so i think for us it's like we 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 you know again timing you know you know is extremely important that like at this point it's like i i wouldn't be as six you know like i wouldn't achieve the success that i have now 10 years ago um i don't think this would have been the right time I think we're also very lucky to be aligned with what Facebook and uh, Google uh, pushes as well. Like for, for them, it's like they want to reinvest in the businesses and they want to invest in local and they want to invest in like friends and family and just like, just like everything that they're doing is going more and more micro sort of local. Um, So we're also, you know, we're also in that game where Facebook likes us and Google likes us as well so we're just in a position where where just everything is on our side um um, so i think yeah that's what 
resulted in the really sort of rapid growth. Um, and now I think the next steps is really just understanding, okay, like, you know, if, if the media sort of industry is, is in a position where we don't necessarily know what it will look like in three years, and we never know because it changes every three to four months, but, um, you know, we just need to be really able to move and adapt really quickly. Uh, and I think that's where, you know, that's where people really matters. But yeah, I think, you know, our goal right now is we are hiring like crazy. I think we're hiring over 25 uh, staff at the moment and we're hiring uh, remote first, which is really good. Um, and yeah, we're just trying to essentially keep up that growth. I think in Canada, we sort of plateaued at the moment. We're, we're at 10 or 11 million uh, users per month. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the US, I think that's where a lot of the work is going to have to go. And in Canada, it's just really about like, okay, how can we keep reaching younger audiences that don't even go on Facebook anymore, right? Uh, like, it's like, it's just crazy when I speak to, you know, someone that's like 18 and they're like, yeah, like I see you guys on Instagram and I like your photos and I like your news. And I'm like, okay, did you ever, like, did you ever actually click on like on the article and like actually read it. And most of them don't like, don't like they just see the headline and the, and the image. And for them, like that's enough information, you know, with the caption. And then it's like, if they want to research more on that story, then they'll just go on Google or whatever. Right. So it's like, almost it's like how, and and we're not like, I mean, we're not making money through through Instagram, right? Like Mm -hmm. we're making money through, through like Instagram, through branded partnerships, but that's, that's a very small sort of portion. So it's really like, okay, how can we monetize the future of local news with, you know, with a younger audience that doesn't behave like we've sort of understood in the past, right? Like it's not about, like now it's not like, it's not about driving traffic to your website anymore. It's about engaging with people on different platforms and making sure that they, that they relate. And then it's like, how do you monetize that? Right. And that's a challenge that we're see, seeing across the board at the moment. It's, it's, it's extremely difficult uh but uh i mean at the end of the day it's like i think if there is someone to do it it's us we're all young we're all uh you know we're all like on fire and uh, you know we're all just trying to to grow and learn so yeah that's a great mindset to have because definitely with like all the different platforms like instagram tiktok i feel like it's an information overload sometimes like people are just consuming information just scrolling and scrolling so it must be hard to definitely like stand out, especially if there's other um, like new sites, especially in the States, maybe a market you guys aren't like super comfortable in yet. So yeah. So how do you kind of deal with that, with the competition out there? Uh, the competition is, is definitely tough. I think it's really about this understanding, for example, sort of, you know, what Google and Facebook uh, puts more like emphasis on. Right. So Facebook launched uh, Facebook News officially, which is like a separate tab in the US last year, I believe. And they're working with about, uh, I think, 12 or 15 publishers. And it's, you know, it's like almost like this club, right? Where it's like, it's always the same sort of pubs that like just always uh, are always sort of featured and are always part of that sort of group to test these sort of beta features, you know, which is really which is really interesting because, you know, they're really good at what they do, but at the same time, it's like, you know, we have to sort of predict almost like, okay, how are we going to position ourselves within this new sort of landscape without necessarily having like a heads up of what this will be. And I mean, 
Facebook is a pretty significant part of our business still. Like, you know, we, they drive around at least uh, 40, 40 to 45 uh, percent of our traffic at the moment still. So uh, really just trying to adapt on, on, on sort of what their sort of next move is. But then like as well, just understanding as well like, that Facebook is not necessarily our only sort of option and we need to invest on Instagram and we need to invest on other platforms and we need to invest on our, you know, app um, and things that we can actually get to get users to create their, their own accounts and reach them okay. directly instead of having to sort of rely on platforms. So the, the competition is really, I mean, everyone is doing so much content out there. So obviously, I mean, you're competing versus everyone, but you're not competing versus the people that you usually think you are. It's like you're competing versus people that post everyday sort of content, like, you know, mm -hmm. a picture of their dog or like a picture of them uh, hiking or, you know, it's like you're competing versus people's social networks and social lives. And yeah. you're competing within those feeds. Like that's the challenge. It's not like, I think the, the challenge is competing with, you know, with other news outlets on being first to break a story. But mm -hmm. I mean, um, if it was just that, I, you know, I think it'd probably be a bit easier. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. I think now it's like, we're just, we're fighting against this, this sort of like this, this, this like overabundance of, of random content. Yes. Um, and like million, billions of pieces of content a day. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's, that's that's where the challenge is for news that's where the challenge is for local news even because local news is oftentimes not as interesting as big national stories like trump mm -hmm. um but i think yeah i think that that's where that's where facebook and google are doing good things and they're trying to reinvest into the local and they understand that it's more of a challenge because it's it's not at scale right um and i just have a last question and if you could go back in time and talk to chuck in 2012 when you first got started what advice would you give him oh man <laughs> that's a really good uh, question mm. definitely be more patient mm -hmm. um i think i think that i'm just that type of person in, in general where i'm very sort of like I'm very sort of like I, I like when things move very fast and I like when things are done in a very sort of efficient way and um, where, you know, and like I don't like being stuck on a problem for more than two hours. Right. Uh, however, the, you know, just understanding potentially the impact that I had on some people back then. And understanding the impact on my team and the stress that I put on myself to 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 like accelerate super 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 fast probably could have been avoided by just understanding a bit better, you know, that businesses take time to build. Uh, relationships are extremely important, right? It's not just about uh, doing your work and and forgetting that there's a human behind that work. Um, so I, you know, it's, I'd probably say like to me, you know, to myself, like probably just take the time to really understand that a business takes a while to build brands take a very long, long time. Trust takes a while as well. And, you know, just, just be excited about what you're doing. Like it's, it, it's for sure very, very, very stressful and, and, and that's normal and that's exciting. But at the same time, it's like, believe in the vision that, that you built and just sort of let go sometimes on things that you can't really control. Totally, yeah. I think that that's uh, probably one of the things, but I mean, there's a million, but I, that's probably the thing that comes up to mind. 
No, that, that's really, really great advice. And I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Um, I, so I love when it first started MTL blog, half my family's from Montreal. So um, it was great to, great to interview you and hear your story. And that was Chuck Lapointe. Thanks so much for listening. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you can. That really helps other people find my podcast. And follow me on Instagram at the Well Now What Podcast. And I'll see you next week.